Luke chapter 22, and one verse, let's read verse 27 together aloud this evening. Let's begin to read verse 27. For whether is greater, he that setteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that setteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Those words were spoken by Jesus Christ. And they were spoken because there was uh, verse 24, if you look at that, it says there was also a strife among them, among his followers, which of them should be accounted the greatest. It's interesting. Who would be accounted the greatest? Sounds a whole lot like they were more concerned with what they would be thought of than actually having substance. They were concerned with how they'd be accounted. Who would think what of them? Who would think well of them? Who would look up to them? Jesus immediately dealt with the substance of what a servant really is and and what really makes a difference. And tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject, choose to serve. Choose to serve. And we'll give you a couple things to be very, very helpful to you here in all aspects of life. In fact, at the beginning of the message, if you decide not to limit your thinking to just a choose to serve in a ministry or some type of a structured thing like that, but think about serving those in your life, your loved ones, uh, acquaintances you come in contact with, friends, people that you have regular uh, dealings with within town and or, you know wherever you go. And um, those people that are regular parts of your life, you may not even know them real well, but you see them regularly, they know you, that sort of thing. And uh, you think about that and think in that way, and tonight I'll help you with the Scripture with it. Let me pray with you and for you. Father, thank you for these words. Help me to speak them clearly. Amen. You may be seated, please, if you will. Verse 24 is where I want to begin and just review this a moment. It says, There was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. As I mentioned to you, that was their emphasis. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. He said, Now you have a pattern in front of you in society. Here's what you see. Here's how you see things work. Here's how you see things going. And he said, that's not the way you're supposed to behave. He said, you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief as he that doth serve. Not those that are accounted the greatest, but those who really have greatness. Use that ability. Use whatever it is to serve. And he dealt with that. Verse 27. For He asked that question we read together. For whether is greater... He that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. And in society, no really different now, he said, who would be considered the grace? Would it be the person that's there and uh, other people are taking care of them? Would you walk into a room and you see somebody that other people are waiting on and serving? You would think that person's in charge, that person's whatever. He said, that's, that's how it's done. But he goes further in verse 27, then he says, I am among you as he that serveth. And the Lord, uh, the Lord actually did that and served his disciples. Um, it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing how much is wrapped up in the idea of, of actually scripturally serving and uh, choosing to use your life to do that, to help someone else. 
and to uh, benefit and be a blessing to others. And that's what God, God wants. The Bible shows us by both commandments and examples that God wants us to be servants to Him and servants to others. And I'll show you in a moment those two are tied together. It's a wonderful thing to be a servant. It's important that we learn to be the right kind of servant. Go about it the right way. Right motive, right action, right way of doing things. We're going to talk tonight some about the spirit of a true servant. When I say true servant, I mean uh, where our service lines up with what God wants for us and how He wants us to go about it. Spirit of a true servant is one that, first of all, is marked by humility. True humility. Uh, not self-deprecation. In other words, not running oneself down and bad-mouthing oneself. That's not it. But true humility. Just that even, steady meekness that the Bible talks about. Consequently, because a, ser- a servant is, has a spirit of humility, it's going to be noteworthy because of its absence of pride and strife. thought of this verse, and I wrote it down so I get it correctly, but 2 Timothy 2.24 states, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. And it goes on with some other instruction, but that thing about the servant of the Lord, that's not just... That's not just instruction for a pastor or someone who teaches and preaches the Word. That context deals with that. But it's the spirit by which we are to serve. It's not a striving. We're not forcing something. But we are to be gentle. Have the strength and confidence that comes from God and be apt to teach, be, uh, be, be learning and getting the aptitude to do that. Listen to this statement. A true servant does not have his own agenda but rather seeks to truly help the one he or she she serves. Well, that's a tongue twister. (laughs) Let Let me speak about that in just a moment to you. This is way too common. Somebody will want to help. Somebody say, let me help you. Okay, you can help. And it could be in a family situation, a work situation, whatever. It doesn't matter. That one person will say to the other, let me help you. The person who's volunteering to help comes in and says, well, I think it should be done this way. They might have a good idea. But the person who's doing whatever it is that they're supposed to be helping says, eh, that's not really the way I want to do it. Well, I think it'd be better if you did it this way. You're already off track. And then they take a step further. Well, I really think it should be done that way. And they just won't leave it alone. The problem is that person is not trying to serve. They're trying to take over whatever they're getting involved with. The heart of a true servant doesn't come in with an agenda for somebody else's business. It's amazing how much strife there is because of that. Everybody ought to be. Okay. That's not the way it is. There's some people cannot cannot stay employed because they can't get this down. They've got to be the foreman of every job they get around. It's impossible for them to follow instructions. I'm not saying that it's outside the realm of something they could do, but with their actions and their mindset, it's impossible. Something has to change in them, really change. And this thing of this thing of being a servant, we don't have our own agenda, but we're seeking to truly help the one that we're serving. If I came along and uh, let's say if Kevin was working on a project and I saw him and I came up and he was building a little something. I'm not really the person you want helping you with something like it, but I can, I can move things around and stuff. I came up and I said, hey, could you use some help with that? Oh, man, I sure could. 
Well, I'll tell you what, what can I do? What can I do to be helped? And he said, I'll tell you what, preacher, I got six boards over there. You need to cut two feet off each of them, and that would really help me. And I said, Well, I didn't. I'd much rather be over here nailing. That's a familiar ring to this, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I, I got this. I really need, if you want to help me, I really need this over here. Well, that's not really what I wanted to do. Then later on, when I get myself all twisted up and don't help him because I don't want to help him, I want to do it my way. When I tell somebody else, I would probably phrase it this way, well, I tried to help and he didn't want my help. <laughs> I didn't want to help when to take it over. It was evidenced by the, the conversation. Now, a true servant doesn't have their own agenda. I didn't say you don't have your own opinions. I didn't say you didn't have your own thoughts. But you come in looking how you can be helpful. Now, let me speak to the other side of this for a minute. If we've got somebody who can be helpful, it might not hurt us to at least listen to see if they might have a good idea. We may or may not go with it, but you know, somebody could have a good idea and not be agenda-driven. They could just have a good idea. Maybe they've done this before. Maybe they see it a different way. So it really wouldn't hurt. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on. Wow. I guess what I'm talking about is both sides act in humility and are willing to help one another and you actually get more done that way. And so, how about serving? Think about serving within a family within that. Think about serving within every situation you think of involves other human beings and, uh, and you, can, you can see how to be helpful with that. One of the greatest rewards mentioned in the Bible is hearing our Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I heard a preacher one time made a great statement. And he said, if we want to hear well done, we need to do well. <laughs> That's a good statement. This will only be spoken, that statement, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if you read everything around it and what Jesus was teaching about that, that's only going to be spoken to those who use their, the resources and their life in a way that was consistent with the revealed will of their master. And that's it. Um, let me give you some things tonight about choosing to serve. Number one, in our text, we see Jesus set the example. He showed us how great being a servant is. You know, if Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, would take the time to make the statement to His disciples... And by the way, look at the context of when this happened. Um, look in verse, verse, uh, verse 19. Uh, go back a little further with that. Go back to Genesis. No. Um, look in verse 15. Okay, <laughs> Let's just go back and get the whole context. Um, look, look in verse 15 of Luke 22. And he, Jesus, said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is what we call the Last Supper. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. For behold... The hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. 
And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also strife among them, which would be accounted the greatest. So their question about who's going to be accounted the greatest was happening as Jesus was revealing the fact that He's getting ready to be crucified. That's what was going on there in that upper room. It's the Last Supper. He's telling them what He's getting ready to do. And there was strife among them. They were missing everything in front of them because of this strife. When we, when we choose not to serve, when we choose a pathway of pride instead of a servant's heart, we guarantee strife in all situations. You can be surrounded by the blessings of God. You can be being taught the Word of God. And yet, the end result in your life will be strife because of pride, because the heart of a servant's not there. However, a servant gets to benefit from all things that his master has. And you and I, as children of God, get to benefit from everything that the Bible has for us if we would just come with the humble heart of a servant. How foolish we are in our pride. How much we need the Lord with us. It's, it's amazing to me. We see Jesus with His example and showed us how great being a servant is. He's looking at them and they're saying, well, I'm going to be accounted the greatest. And you're going to be accounted. I'll be, I'll be you know, my position. And they're arguing over this stuff. Jesus stops them and He says, that's the way the Gentiles act. He's going to be top dog. Then he says, ask you a question, who's greater? He that setteth at meat or he that serveth? Is not he that setteth at meat? And they're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And Jesus says, I'm among you as he that serveth. He came among them from glory. And so the contrast here is absolutely incredible when you look at what he was teaching. Second thing I want you to see is the apostles. I'm talking about choosing to be a servant. One reason why we ought to choose to be a servant, and I believe the uppermost reason, is because Jesus was. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're actually going to be Christians, Christ ones, then if our Master said that He chose to be a servant, then we need to choose to be a servant. The apostles, these men were given great power and authority. Incredible power and authority. But they identified themselves when they were writing the Scripture that was given to them by God. They identified themselves often, first of all, as servants. Let's look at a couple of passages here. Romans chapter 1. Let's see some identification here. Jesus said He was a servant. The apostles, while they had many things they could say about their position, identified themselves most of the time, most often as servants. Romans 1, verse 1. Paul, a what? Servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. He said, that's who I am. Let me give you another example of this with a different apostle. Look in the book of James. And after the book of Hebrews is the book of James. He's dealing a lot with the Jewish nation. Obviously, Hebrews by its name and the beginning of James tells you that also. Look in James chapter 1, verse 1. Let's see how James, who had such a close relationship and was thought of a, as a pillar among the apostles. James, a servant 
of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. James identified himself as a servant. Paul identified himself as a servant. Let's look in Peter. Second Peter. Look at the order in which it was written. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a what? What's the first thing out of the gate? Servant and an apostle. He's a servant. A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So they, Paul identified himself as a servant. James identified himself as a servant. Peter identified himself as a servant. And then look in Jude, if you will. Book of Jude, the little book right before Revelation. Jude, obviously first chapter, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. In each of these apostolic benedictions, when they, when they started the, uh, uh, the letters, when they started these letters or epistles, which would become part of the, the Holy Scripture, the canon of Scripture which we have, when these things were given, they identified. Peter identified himself as a servant. James identified himself as a servant. Jude identified himself as a servant. They all, Paul identified himself as a servant. They identified themselves as a servant of Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest things we can do, choose to be a servant. One of the greatest things we could do is decide to be identified as a servant. One who serves, who looks for opportunity to serve. Then let me say to you, not only Jesus set the example, and always, but the apostles identified. But let me say to you this also, this will help you. To serve is to have a purpose higher than ourselves. Selfish, self-centered living is very destructive living. It's destructive for the person that's self-centered. It's destructive for everyone around them. It is not decreasing. And I'm not talking about out there in the world somewhere. I'm talking about God's people. And I'm not talking about God's people just in general. I'm talking about people who claim to be Bible-believing people. And I'm not just talking about Bible-believing people. I'm talking about people who attend Lighthouse Baptist Church. As a pastor, I do not see a decrease in self-centered living. In fact, I see just the opposite. I see more people prone to it, more foolish action being taken, how children are being dealt with, precipitating and, and, and fostering this in them. Instead of we as adults setting examples of serving and of kindness and of, of a care one for another. And uh, we can do better. Luke chapter 2 is, is a passage where this shows up. Luke chapter 2. Choose to serve. Serving helps us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's important in your life. It's really important in your life. Um, Luke 2, verse 49. Jesus responding as Joseph and Mary had come to find Him. They'd lost Him. He was there talking with the doctors of the law and such things. They'd been looking for Him. 
He makes a statement. He said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not? Isn't that a great phrase? Don't you know this? Don't you understand this? Wished ye not that I must be about my Father's business? As a man in the flesh, Christ and God taking him in that form of a man, to use the biblical terminology, that fashion of a man, He showed how, how we're supposed to be as humans. That we're supposed to have something bigger than just our own agenda, our own thoughts. And that's chief through servanthood. Shows it. To serve have a purpose higher than ourselves. It gives us a reason. Um, helps us to keep going. Gives us motivation. Gives us hope. Gives us endurance. All these things. John chapter 4 talks about this also in a different way. Look in John chapter 4. Choose to serve. I choose. So I haven't been that way. Change now. Decide to. There's not 12 steps you need to do or 8 steps you need to do or something you need to grow into or a further journey. Decide to serve. Start now. It's biblical. Choose to serve. I will guarantee you, young people in this room of all different ages, anytime there's conflict, collision, and things that you're causing by disobedience and disrespect, when you're causing the problem, I will guarantee it's because uh, you're, you're not thinking about serving. You're thinking about yourself. Poor you, and you're not getting your way, and something didn't go your way, so you think you can throw an ever-loving fit and act like a little demon out of hell instead of a child of God. Did my, my mom and my dad come talk to you? Ain't nobody talked to me about nothing this week. Well, you act that way. That's adults. We act that way. It's the same reason. Selfishness. And uh, servanthood takes care of that. It puts us part of something bigger. A lot better. Uh, with that, changes the way we do things. John chapter 4 keeps you growing too. It keeps you, keeps you young. People get old way before their time. Some people are geezers before they're 35. Um, John 4, if I've written down the right reference here, I think I have, but I've thought that before and been surprised. Oh, here it is, verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat, in other words, what sustains me, what strengthens me, what keeps me going, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. The ultimate statement of a servant. Here's what I'm doing. I'm doing His work. That's what it's about. Said to you that Jesus set the example. The apostles identified themselves as servants. We have to have a purpose higher than ourselves. We're not beasts. We're made in the image of God. We need a purpose in our lives, what we do. If you're lacking purpose, may I send you to the Scripture that you would learn your purpose in living right. People tend to think of their purpose as a particular vocation or a particular event or a particular item in which, with which they're going to be involved. Before that, and undergirding all of that, is the purpose of being what we ought to be as the Scripture describes it. Being a person of integrity. Being a person who's growing in the Lord. Loving God. Going forward. These things I'm talking about. Then let me say to you, 
Serving and selfishness cannot go together. You have to choose one. They do not go together. To whatever degree you're selfish, you will not serve. To whatever degree you're serving, it, it can keep you out of selfishness. So why did you use a qualifier like can? Because you can serve selfishly. Some people do for others so that they can be thought well of. Isn't it amazing? Pride is so insidious, such, such a part of our fallen nature and therefore such a part of a thing we deal with on a regular basis that we can even take a good action and corrupt with it. And uh, that's possible. But can I say to you, proper service and, and the right kind of serving for the right reason um, is one of the tools that is given to us to overcome selfishness. I've found when people struggle with depression, one of the best things in the world they can do is as soon as they're able to do it, and uh, sometimes it can be devastating, debilitating to a point you can't even move, but as soon as there can be the slightest glimmer, as soon as there can be the slightest thing where they do something outside of their self that's helpful to them. And then... They get to a point in their, where they're doing for something. That even serves better to help fight it. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how this thing it can be helpful to you. It's, it strengthens. And serving and selfishness can't go together. Um, it, it's amazing, though. There, there, really are, there really are folks whose joy in life comes from being able to be a help and a blessing to others. That's not limited to Christians by any means, nor is it evident in all who claim the name of Christ. Can I say to you, I believe that it's put there, I believe it's a, a remnant and a glimmering of what should be in us being created in our, our Father's image. Every human being is helped by serving. Helped by having a purpose. Every human being is. And uh, how much more than a person who's a child of God and sees a greater need in it, a greater, greater thing that we can do to be a help. To serving. Then, we serve the Lord by serving others. You cannot serve God without serving others. I'll let that statement stand for a moment. You can worship God and not be serving others. You can express thanks to God and not be serving others. You can give praise to God and not be serving others. The only vehicle we have whereby to serve God is by serving others. Let me show you the inverse of this. And since it's not math, uh, you can't necessarily prove it by that. But let me just show you an example of it. Paul's on the road to Damascus. He's not anymore, but what I'm talking about, he was there, right? And he uh, was going there, and of course Jesus comes along, and you know how what happened. Paul falls on the ground. There's a light that's so bright, then in the middle of the day it stood out. And the question comes, Saul, Saul, why? You know the next word? 
Persecutest thou who? Saul asked the logical question. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Saul of Tarsus at the time, not yet the Apostle Paul, had, had not physically persecuted Jesus. Who was he persecuting? And they weren't even known as Christians yet. They were believers, right? And so, as he was persecuting those, Jesus himself said, you are persecuting me. Now let me give you a definite the other direction so as not to prove by the inverse or a negative. Look at Matthew 25. But I do want you to understand what a close association that Jesus said, how He feels it, and it matters to Him how His people get treated. But there's a whole lot of nonsense would get cleaned up if people had respect for how much Jesus cares how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a whole lot more carefulness would happen. Look in Matthew chapter 25. Why it's important to think, make decisions, go about things. Matthew 25 and look in verse 40. Well, let's begin just a little prior to that. I want to begin. Let's start in verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer and him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Do you realize they're right now a bit perplexed? They're like, they're being rewarded and blessed and they're like, when did we do this good thing? When did we do that? Well, let's continue with it. Verse 38 again. And when we saw thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee, and the king shall answer them, shall answer, excuse me, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the what? Least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto who? You cannot serve God without serving people. Do you know that our conduct with each other as married couples affects our prayer life? Do you know that our relationships with people are a great test whereby God instructs us and shows us our relationship with Him? 
So preacher, that means I got to get along with everybody. The Bible is very gracious, isn't it? As much as lieth in you, if it be possible. <laughs> isn't that right? Two qualifiers. Supposed to dwell peaceably with all men. Say, so what's that mean? That means some people you shouldn't plan a road trip with. Maybe some people you shouldn't sit in real close proximity to. There's something to be said for love at a distance, isn't there? And yet, even in that case, you can mutually be serving the same Lord and be respectful. What's the greatest commandment according to Jesus Christ? Thou shalt what? Love whom? The Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. If you get the category, take them away. What's the second? First of all, the second is like unto it. First and greatest commandment is love God. The second is like into it. They are tied together, inextricably linked together. Thou shalt love thy what? Oh, as thyself. How strongly the Bible puts it. If you say you love God, but say you hate your brother, how can you love God whom you have not seen if you hate your brother whom you have seen? So what's that all point to? It points to the fact that our service is towards people. Does that mean you should subject yourself to an abusive situation? No, it does not. Does that mean that you should put yourself in harm's way? No, it does not. Day-by-day action. But what it does mean is this. The opportunities you and I are going to have to serve our God are going to be involved with serving people. I really believe the Bible when it says that uh, be careful to entertain strangers for some have entertained angels unawares. It doesn't mean the angel didn't know what was going on. It means they were not aware it was an angel. So, preacher, that... No, no, it, it means what it says. I've helped some people in life before and I've thought about that verse, but their language led me to know that no. <laughs> and if it was an angel, this was an angel that had fallen a long time ago. My sister sent me a hilarious thing. I've showed a couple of three of you in here this thing. It was great because at the timing of it. And uh, my sister's He's an upbeat sort of person, kind of likes to roll with things. And she sends me a picture. How many of you know who Ernest T. Bass was on the old Andy Griffith show? You remember old Ernest T? Oh, Ernest T., it's a picture of Ernest T. And he's a funny looking dude. Standing with a rock in his hand. And it's got a caption. And it says, The older I get, the more I understand why Ernest T. Bass threw rocks at people. <laughs> The older you are, the longer you laugh about that. My mom used to have a little uh, clipping. It was hilarious. And I don't know what this... It's this grumpy secretary lady. I can't remember what that cartoon character's name was. I never saw except one or two clippings of it. Marge or Madge or something. Sorry about that back there. It was something like that. Um, anyway, 
my mom kept this thing up when she used to work for my cousin Barry. My mom worked in, sitting in the office there for a number of years. And uh, it said on it, <laughs> had this grumpy looking lady. And uh, it was, they would do that. My mom wasn't a grumpy person, but they, would, they gave her that nickname because part of her job was to keep things in line. And if you told mom your job is to keep this thing in line, this thing would assuredly be kept in line. <laughs> and anyway, she had the, uh, uh, the, this lady... And she's got this scowled expression, and she says under the, the lady in that little cartoon said, "If life gives you lemons, freeze them and throw them at your enemies." <laughs> Hang out. Revival's breaking out. Now I'm getting down to where we live. <laughs> uh, and. We find humor in all that because some of that lies just under the surface, sometimes just way barely under the surface. And we've all had situations where we've thought those kind of thoughts, huh? But what if we decided because Jesus is our Savior, because God's our Father, because our body is actually a temple of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, what if we decided to live what the Bible calls as peculiar people. And uh, what if we just decide to serve? See, you can choose to do that. Not only in a general sweeping way, like when it's being preached about now, you say, that's, that's scriptural. That's right. Okay. That's a, but in a day-by-day choice decision, what if we just choose to serve? Where how many marriages could be salvaged? Husband and wife, or husband or wife, would just choose to serve. I wonder how many child-parent relationships at all ages could receive the healing and strength that God would desire if someone would just decide to serve. I wonder how many church splits could be avoided if God's people acted like God's people and chose to serve. I wonder how many of us would stay in, in ministering and helping others if we just chose to serve. Jesus said, the Gentiles act like this over here. And you're worried about what you're going to be accounted as, but I'm among you as he that serveth. And all those gathered there said that they were following him. Let me give you a little encouragement. Those fellows who were squabbling about who's the greatest, remember those became the apostles. And there was victory that came. And they did learn to follow the Lord. And they did learn to serve. So forgive me if I'm somebody you would call an optimist. But I just don't figure because somebody's really acting pretty carnal. Maybe in a rough patch. I don't figure they're done yet. And if they're actually God's people, which God knows in this room, which one of us, which ones of us actually belong to Him, and if anybody sitting in here is a fake. God knows that. He knows if you're wheat or if you're a tear. But if they're God's people, 
then God never quits working on them. Well, they might decide to refuse him. I know that's part of the equation can be there. I'm, I'm not silly about such things. And I look at realities of how people are acting. For somebody to be actually making progress, well, here's a novel thing. They need to actually be making progress. Quantifiable difference in behavior. Um, but if they're God's people, these guys are... Jesus is there with the Last Supper. For goodness sake. Telling them. And they're talking to the table saying, I'm going to be charged. You're going to be No, no, man, it's going to be me. I got here first, you know. <laughs> he called me. Sorry. Uh, he said, he changed my name. I'm a rock. <laughs> what do you think? That means. <laughs> and you can't swim. That's why you sank in the lake. No. Um, <laughs> and they're fussing. But every one of them, before it's all done, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in them, every one of them there will gladly, really give their life to the Lord, not bragging about it like Peter did. And many of them will. And they will keep serving the same ones. The same ones. An apost- a, a, a servant of Jesus Christ. A servant of Jesus. The same ones. Same ones who were fussing. The same ones who... He said, well, what changed? Well, they did. And God helped them do it. But somewhere in that mix, you need to choose to serve. I think that's what Jesus was telling them when He said, I'm among you as He that serveth. And the last thought I'll leave you with, and I like this a lot, the very best that a servant can do is be like his master. And you know that equation doesn't play out in human interaction all the time. But when it comes to God being our master, Christ being our master, I love to study. It's a it's not just the tool of my trade. It's not just the source by I know it's the only chance I have to be of a help to you all. You're not gonna be helped by my wisdom or counsel or anything other than my wisdom that's derived from scripture. But the word is gonna help you. You and I are both insufficient for things that come into your life. And together we're insufficient. So God's your God's your hope. And the Scripture is. I love to study. So taking that into context, the real issue of growth in my life and yours, I don't need to know more. I need to be more like Him. I don't need to be able to quote more sayings of Jesus or explain more of His miracles or give you a timeline of his life, I need to actually be showing him in my actions. I believe that's what it's talking about till Christ be formed in us. So much so that speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in the Scripture, the Apostle said to the church he loved dearly there, he said, My little children, in whom I travail in birth, until Christ be formed in you. He wasn't satisfied to see him just come to a saving knowledge of Christ. He wanted to see him grow in the maturity. And I believe he's encouraged by every step he saw of him growing. And I believe he also, because I have scripture to believe this, not, not my own thoughts. 
I believe that he willingly accepted the heartache of watching them when they did not go on to maturity. And the unspeakable soul agony of watching people regress. Choose to serve. There's no better choice. Through serving, you'll learn to love, learn to care about others, and you will make the most significant contribution with your life while you're here that you can ever make. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank You for Your Scriptures and thank You for the clarity. Lord, for me, for these folks who listened who came tonight, May there be some soul work done here in this room tonight. May it translate into just deciding day by day to choose to serve. Help us, please, Lord, to do this and be like you. Stand together, please. Why don't you come? Some come already. We need to wait for invitations on. Why don't you come? Choose to serve.